Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs and we are February the 19th. Going to be a gorgeous day on this family day weekend. So get out and enjoy. We had lots of people roaming around the, the garden center yesterday, picking up seeds and uh, a few house plants and pots, all the good stuff. So anyway, it's a good day to get out. Enjoy, because I hear we're going to get a little bit of a winter blast coming through this week. Could be a bit of snow. Could be one of those ones where they say you're going to get lots. <coughs> I see the little uh, the little alert on my phone comes up. Could be significant snowfall. So let's be prepared for that. Hopefully not. Um, I've had enough, and uh, I'm a little cooler this week, too. So, but it doesn't look like it's going to last like three or four days. My daughter was smart. She, uh, her and a few of her friends are on spring break. They went down to Mexico. That's, uh, should be what I should be doing right now. But we're going to be talking some birding today. So I, that always is a popular episode when we do, uh, when Myrna Pierman comes on, she's a naturalist and backyard birding expert and she's going to give us a shout and we're going to chat for for a while and if you wanted to join us at that time or right now phone lines will be wide open and are wide open right now 403-974-8255 that is the talk and text so uh, uh listen in and it is the great backyard bird bird count this weekend so I, I think it's just the local one. I don't think it's the big, big one, but um, I'll get clarification on that. Um, I know I seen it on the global news earlier this week. Um, I think it's just a local count for right now. So, but we'll explain how you can participate in that. No, I it is. Uh, I think it is Canada wide. So awesome. So yeah, this is the. This is the big one to get involved. If you wanna, you can go to the. If you just, if you, if you, um, Google that great backyard bird count. Um, yeah, it's this weekend. So, um, awesome from February seventeenth to the twentieth. So, till tomorrow. It makes it quite easy. There's a link you can participate, and there's a a Merlin Bird ID app as well. So it helps you identify the birds that you're seeing. So, which I always find uh, it's pretty cool seeing all the different birds, and especially when you start feeding. And uh, I know when we we have our feeders going at the store, it's amazing the different birds that you get coming in. Um, just other than the sparrow, we still get the sparrows and all that. But if you feed some peanuts, you're gonna get the blue jays and some of the bigger ones and lots of finches and anyways birding's a big thing in calgary so um we're gonna have the the expert myrna pierman is gonna join us and she'll let us know everything that's going on with birds what we should do what we shouldn't do and all that fun stuff so looking forward to that it's always a good conversation she's gonna call in and just after the first break we will chat uh, with Myrna on on that and see what's going on there. And a couple other things, gardening. Um, really get out, have a look at your trees and shrubs as well right now. Um, 
if you're seeing those dead, damaged, diseased branches, um, black nut, I know we chatted with Mark last week about that. Um, this is the time to try to get that all cleaned up. A lot of that stuff is dormant. And also, we only have a couple, a few more weeks left of pruning elm trees. Um, I, I do have to mention this. Uh, Mark um, Trozo, he has... Uh, he already has a couple of young boys, and uh, they have uh, another one on the way. I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl. It's supposed to be a they, – they're looking for a girl, but we'll see. I think Mark uh, has a thing with these boys. <laughs> he raised a whole whole herd of uh, Trozo boys to help him on the tree. Um, anyways, it's uh, he made these beds for his son. He harvested um, elm trees from years ago. And he live edged these uh, beds. Gorgeous. I know there's a few guys doing that in, in town here. So if you get an opportunity to uh, source any local wood like that. Um, anyways, there's some good work, woodworking guys that are doing things for when a tree has to come down. It's pretty cool when they get to harvest something like that. And, uh, and Mark is making uh, a set of beds for his uh, two sons. So good job, Mark. He sent me some pictures yesterday looked awesome so pretty cool like nice to see uh sometimes you forget where wood comes from you go to the store and you see the stack of two by fours and you forget that that used to be a tree one day just like all kinds of different things you go to the grocery store all that fun stuff so same with plants come to the garden center you'll see seeds um all that kind of thing that's where they all start but if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. That is the talk and text line. And we're going to talk plants and birds. So if you want to call in, that's the nice thing this time of year. We usually have a bit more time, and uh, and we can chat a little bit longer on a few of the topics. And I'm trying to remember, I know I had someone ask me last week, and I didn't get to it. Um, if you had the amaryllis, over the holiday season, it's probably getting close to being done or is done blooming. So what you want to do is continue to grow it as a house plant for a few more weeks, maybe till the end of March. Feed it maybe every couple of weeks here with 15, 30, 15. We want to recharge that bulb and get it re-energized with some good phosphorus. So that way next year it's ready to produce those blooms for you. So you want to maybe grow it till the end of March, and then we'll just stop watering it after that. And then just let it go totally dormant, let it dry out, let all the leaves dry up and crinkle up. And then at that point, you just want to cut off all the dead wood or all the dead leaves and that. And then you want to store it in a dark, cool place um, until next sort of October, November. And, but just make sure it's really dry, like and put in some like dry cocoa moss or something like that, or really, really dry potting soil, just so it's really, really dry and coolest place you got in your house without being freezing, like you can't go right outside or things like that. Sort of in that plus two, three, if you have an unheated, insulated garage, still might be a bit cool, um, but uh, down in the basement in the cool, that cool corner where it's a little bit uncomfortable to sit, that might be just the perfect spot if it's in a in a paper bag or I like those styrofoam coolers. If you if you do save a few other bulbs, that would work for you as well. So you could do that. 
and uh, and then when you bring it back up, same sort of drill. You put pot it into some soil, and and start watering from there. And we're getting close um, where we're going to start bringing in. We were talking about this yesterday. Um, we get quite a few people who are moving into Alberta, and we're we're hearing lots about that. A lot of people coming to Alberta, um, but a lot of new gardeners and. And they're asking, they come into the gardens, where's your perennials? Where's your annuals? Still pretty early, even though it's plus seven today, plus six yesterday, whatever, nice and warm. It's still way too early. We still, unfortunately, have a, we're sort of mid-February. So we got March, April, and then even close to mid-May before. So we still got a couple more months before we're putting stuff outside. That being said, we will have uh, eight or well, we'll have some hardy annuals, um, or pansies, things like that, and we'll get those in at the beginning of April, um, late March, beginning of April, and those I always we always pot a big pot of pansies outside. That was just a tradition started way way back when when I was growing at a different garden center. We'd tend to move our uh, trays of pansies outside sort of on the April 1st. So kind of like to keep that tradition going. So we, we tend to pot one big thing and it survives. It freezes, comes back, freeze thaws, freeze thaws. Um, but, um, makes a gorgeous pot of pansies, um, when it does warm up. And, uh, so that's something we have to look forward to, but we're still a little ways away. Um, a lot of gardening, we're in the planning stage. So anyways, um, Hit down to your local garden centers. Now's the time to, to do that. A lot of seeds sell out quickly. Um, there is a really good supply this year, so there shouldn't be too many shortages from what we're hearing. Um, but that being said, there's still the popular varieties. If there's something that you really want and you see it, I would recommend grabbing it and, uh, and doing it. It was kind of cool. We had some young guys in asking about bulbs too. So I just love seeing the younger generations really getting into this gardening and and plants and and we see it um, every day through the garden center. Um, young people, young couples, young families coming through. So enjoying that and uh, and hopefully we can help with that. We have a great team down at the garden center, always willing to help out. And of course, when you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening, we're here to help you. And again. Um, and starting to get a couple texts as well. And so, um, Myrna will be on right after this first break. She's going to be calling in and we will chat, but absolutely all your questions, um, anything you have to do with eh, plants or birding on this, um, session of Let's Talk Gardening, you can call us at 403-974-8255. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up, we got you covered. And bird it up, we got you uh, covered on on some birding. We have Myrna Pierman, she's the naturalist and backyard birding expert, and you're with Chin Ridge Seed Company as well, which we carry in your your products in our store. So hi, Myrna. 
Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Well, happy to see the snowfall. We got a big dump of snow last night, so oh, winter's did you? still here. Okay, yeah. in Calgary we didn't get anything, so we're okay. uh, we're still. So whereabouts are you right now? Uh, Sylvan Lake. Oh, okay, so just north yeah. of us. So you got uh, yeah. a, a big dump. So maybe that's the one that's coming this way. Hopefully, hopefully we do need more snow. Absolutely, yeah. The birds like that too, don't they? Yes. Yeah, so we've had beautiful weather, and I know many people have noticed that there haven't been very many birds around their feeding stations. So it just makes sense when the weather's warmer, the birds disperse a bit. You know, they don't have to spend every waking minute keeping their little gas tanks filled with food so they can go and explore a bit more. Okay, so, but, that's interesting because I was yeah. wondering that too because I was thinking I haven't seen as many birds close around. And so that's why they can they can more tour around, eat a bit more out in the – or wherever, right? And they well, don't a need bit to more, yes, a bit more variety. So – Birds are smart, like no bird will just rely on one food source in the winter. So all of these little flocks or individual birds, they have a large winter territory and they spend time exploring that territory. But when it's super cold, of course, they're going to go where the food is easier and so they will spend more time at backyard bird feeding stations. But when it gets nice, of course, they want to explore the other parts of their territory. Okay. So we've Thanks. got cold weather coming, I hear, next week. So I think the bird feeders will be really busy again. Yeah, we're supposed to have yeah, a few days of, uh, of cold weather, but then that's that's kind of it, four or five days, which is kind of nice as a, as a human. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> and, and it makes it easier for our wild neighbors too. Absolutely. But yeah. um, so as far as birding, and I, I do have one quick text here. I'll, I'll sort of read the text as we go. If we get some uh, some birding text, sure. and if you want to call or text us, 403-974-8255, says, Merle, could you ask your bird expert about this question? We do a lot of bird feeding and see a lot of birds, including northern flickers. Why I can't seem to figure out is why they literally remove soil from around some of my paving stones they love certain places and always go back to the same spot. I I get I get that they find some sort of food in in there that way, like but there's no ants or any food source at this time of year. They don't just dig it up and spread it. They actually remove the dirt, and and they, do they do they use it for nests or? Should, this person is curious. Wow, that's, about this. that's a very interesting question. Of course, yes, they are classic ant eaters. And so maybe that area is familiar to them, and they knew that there were ants there last summer, and maybe there are ant eggs that they can access, even though it's in the winter. Yep. I'd be interested to know if they're actually hauling it off, or are they just lifting it? Yeah, that's what, no, they're, they're hauling it right out. Should They don't just dig it up and spread it around. They actually, the dirt actually disappears over a few days. Well, that is a mystery, because they're cavity nesting birds, and they haven't yet started excavating their roosting cavity, or their nesting cavities. I can't imagine that they would be taking that soil to their roosting cavities. Of course, when it gets cold, they will sleep in an old cavity. So that that's a mystery. I have never heard that yeah, maybe before. Maybe these ones need a little extra bedding. Maybe they want a little yeah, nicer. maybe in the roosting They're cavities. I mean, maybe. Yeah, upgrading a little bit, you know. <laughs> I, I just did a big reno. I replaced all of our floors, so maybe they're, they're, uh, they're updating that. And, yeah. Uh, I would be interested if that person could actually, if you could forward me that text, I'd like to reach out to them because that is a very interesting observation, and I'd Absolutely. like to get more details about that. Yeah, I can uh, I can text you 
their text and you could uh yes i'll just if, if that's okay if there if i share her her phone number with you um if that's okay with her if you just want to reply back on the text saying that would be okay and then i, I will share that um so this weekend is the great backyard bird count yes this is a an amazing weekend this is a four-day snapshot into the bird world across this entire planet so basically it is people all around the world are counting birds for these four days and it's quite remarkable there's hundreds of countries involved and uh, canada is we're listed right now i just checked the website if folks are interested in this they can go to birdcount.org, birdcount.org. All of the details are there. It's easy to get involved. As I mentioned, Canada is number 35 out of the world right now. The number one is Colombia, two India, and three is Ecuador. Of course, they have a lot more bird species than us. So, But per capita, Canada last year came in tops in the world for people participating in this event. It's a great event to take out your kids, go for a walk in the neighborhood, Spend 15 minutes, that's all you need to do, looking at your feeder birds. You can send in your data through this birdcount.org website or through Merlin, which is an app that most people have, or through eBird. So it is a super way to contribute to the scientific data that's being collected all around the world. It's a great way to get outside today on a beautiful day or tomorrow. Tomorrow's day four. And participate in this great backyard bird count. Cool. So, so do you have to set up a like an ID or something or a, or a like a? Well, yeah, there is a process if you're going to submit it to the website, but I think it's very yeah. easy. But okay. of course, if people already have these two apps, Merlin and eBird, then you just do your regular eBird today as if you would be doing it anywhere, and it gets counted as part of this data set. Ah, very handy. So yeah, really I actually, encourage just downloading everybody. the. I just downloaded the Merlin one, so um, I get lots of uh, birds sort of in my area. Yeah. And over the winter, the Blue Jays hung out quite a bit, um, which was pretty cool. Um, lots of kind of those yellowy, not finches, but they're kind of have a yellow tinge to them. Yes, yeah, so Seen those are of... American goldfinches, very likely, and oh, very okay. unusual. This winter is the first winter that I here at Silver Lake have had goldfinches is up as high as nine at a time at my feeders and so it's interesting they've not been recorded i don't think ever before in these numbers so lots of people have these american goldfinches and of course you've got males and females but the males are in their winter plumage that's why they are that dull yellow kind of olive oh, green okay. color yeah. yeah 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 no so i i found that uh um with the weather being quite nice and and it was actually well colder earlier on, a lot colder, like November, December this year, and a bit of January were definitely cooler than we've had in the past. Um, but um, this this last sort of we've had a warm stretch for sure yeah, for the totally. last uh, four to six weeks, which is which has been great. Yeah, um, I don't think these goldfinches actually migrated, so I think they survived that cold stretch. And they are just now overwintering. And we see this trend, you know, in other species. Fifteen years ago, to see a northern flicker over the winter would be 
you know, worthy of a phone call to another bird lover <laughs> to tell Absolutely. them, oh, my goodness, I have a flicker at my feeder. And now it's like, ho-hum, here's a flicker. So yeah, birds come check do it respond, out. and they are changing, yeah. Absolutely. All right, got one quick thing. Uh, any update on the pruning workshop? Yes, we're going to be working on it. We'll keep you posted. We're going to have it set up. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to put Myrna on hold, and we're going to return right after the break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm joined today by Myrna Pierman. And we are getting lots of texts, and we do have a caller online, Myrna, that wants to chat about some birds. So we're going to – good morning, Peter. Yes, good morning, Myrna. I've got a quick good question. Morning. So about yeah. about four, four years ago, um, I was sitting out in my veranda, and a raven came by. And anyways, long story short, within, within about three weeks, I had a regular visitor by the pair – Every morning at 9.30. Anyways, I got, I, 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 I fed them chicken, beef, pork. I mean, I mean, they were living high off the hog. Then another pair showed up. And this went on for about, like I say, till, oh, last June. And I know June they've gone ahead and they fly off to the mountains someplace. And then they returned back in September, but only one pair. And then it became less and less. What happens? Where do they go? What, what's the rationale behind just leaving? Uh, well, they will go off and nest, but they don't necessarily, I'm not sure where you live, but they now nest all across Alberta. So they will probably nest right in your general area, and they mate for life. It might have been their young from another year that came with them the first time. And they oh, yeah, might I had have the whole crew. I had the whole crew show up one afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, ravens are so incredibly intelligent, and so they remember faces. So if you treat them nice, they will remember your face. If you happen to come out one day with a gun and take a pop at them, they will remember you and harass <laughs> you the next time you come out. They so just they for are... some reason for some reason they just they like I haven't seen them now for oh it's got to be three four months. Yeah, and well, I, know I mean, they move, they could, so something could happen to one or both of them. Now, right? I, I, do, I do live on the, I do live on the, uh, on the Bow River, um, and we've, we've, we've inherited a pair of, um, they're not bald eagles, they're golden eagles that fly up and down the river, and I'm wondering if that drove them away. Uh, they will harass each other. Now, chances are you do have bald eagles because often even if you don't see the white on the head it takes them four years to achieve their adult plumage oh, okay so you can see young ones and lots of people think that they are goldens but actually they're juvenile balds and they do hate each other that's true they harass each other but it's surprising that the bald eagles will actually chase them off especially if they have this food source you know a generous patron like you so oh they I would bring me they would bring happened. me uh, sometimes they would bring me little, you know, like rocks or balls of roots and bugs and things. Oh, and yeah, they do that. And, oh, yeah. So they will. They will. And, um, we'd, even have, and we'd even have a good conversation. <laughs> so. hey, Myrna, yeah. um, just wondering, what, what's the difference between, like, a crow and a raven? Like, I oh. know we see these big, oh. we get them at the store, too. We get these great big black birds. They come yeah. and hang out on the garbage bin. 
and they're just huge. They, they just look at you like, hey. <laughs> yeah, so raven, they're two different species. Crows, now sometimes the odd individual will overwinter, but typically they migrate, and then they come back early in the spring. Ravens okay. are much larger. They have a different head configuration, diamond-shaped tail. They're here year-round, and their numbers have increased just dramatically over the last 10 years. So they used to be birds kind of restricted to the northern part of North America, but they have now moved into all areas. And I have to say it does cause me some concern because they are, they're just incredibly efficient predators. So they will circle a pond, for example, and eat all the duck eggs they find. They'll eat the baby ducks as they fledge and are swimming. They will go through the woods and rob nests. It's, it's really remarkable. So they are very, very efficient predators. And it does cause me some concern to see their numbers so high. And I'm not sure why they have increased. It's not well known. Well, I'm but. surprised. I'm surprised also because, um, you know, once they went ahead and they started this um, garbage collection, this composting collection, the garbage dumps are no longer a feeding ground for a lot of birds. Right. And In some areas. Yep. Yeah. And, and in other and areas they are. No, certainly. And garbage probably, roadkill the edge that we create you know when we're cutting down trees and turning land into agriculture there's lots of hypotheses on as to why they've increased in number but they have found that they can that humans are a good source of food and of course they patrol the roads they just go up and down the roads looking for roadkill and they know that small mammals will run across the road so that's you'll often see them patrolling so super smart super adaptable Okay, I was just I was just kind of wondering, like yeah. all of a sudden they just disappeared. Yeah, and I thought, so oh, I'm well. thinking that something happened. You know, they're they're long lived, but they don't live forever. So chances are that something happened to one or both of the individuals. That's what I think, because I think they would continue to come back if they had this good. Yeah, and that was with two pairs. Yeah, interesting. Which was interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much Great for your story. Info. Yes. Thanks, Peter. Okay. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Yeah, that sort of uh, uh, when we do see them quite a bit, they come to by the garbage bins at our store. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of where the saying set was before, like where as the crow flies, right? People would sort of follow where the crow flies, sort of where the road would be back way back in the old days. So uh, interesting yeah, both, how both of them do follow. Yeah, roadways. It's, it's very they're very interesting and super smart. The corvids which also include the jays, are just a very smart family of birds. Yeah, you can tell that when they're looking at you, like when those big ravens are sitting there, and they're, 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 you can tell they're intelligent. They're, just, they're analyzing everything you're doing. Yeah, oh, super um, intelligent. Amazing memories. Ah, cool. And they're, like you said, they're, they're increasing in, in, in population like crazy. Yeah, yeah, they are. Okay. Um, we're getting close. We should probably take a break here. If you want to join us or text, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm joined today by with Myrna Pierman, and she is a, a naturalist and backyard birding expert with Chinrid Seeds. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. Got a couple quick texts, and then we're going to chat about uh, seed logs as well um, and how we how we can use those in our yard. Um, we have a caller, 
I've seen or heard a robin in Turner Valley. I thought I'd seen one the other day as well. Um, have you uh, have you seen any robins yet, Myrna? Yes. So this is very interesting. Again, I mentioned about the flickers. Robins are another great example. Just over the last few years, more and more are overwintering, especially in your neck of the woods. So yeah. you go to any of the parks in Calgary and you see a robin, you see 10 robins, you see flocks of robins. So interestingly, and I know I've mentioned this in, in previous uh, talks, that what makes a difference between a bird staying and migrating is food. So it's not okay. necessarily the cold. Many of these migrant species are quite tolerant of cold, but they need to be able to find food. And robins are a good example of birds that are very, they're omnivorous, they're adaptable. There are lots of berry trees in our cities, so they can find food all winter long. There's open water. And so they, more and more of them are just deciding to stay. And so okay. it's quite common now to see, especially around Calgary and surrounding areas, see robins during the winter. Okay. Speaking of feeding, seed logs. What what are those? Yes, I just wanted to mention that Mother Nature's has got a new product, and it's called a Feeder Frenzy Seed Log. And this is an Alberta-made product. I did a field trial up at my cabin northeast of Rimby, and I was totally amazed. So what this is is just a mixture of products, so really high-end products. So there's peanuts, sunflower chips, pumpkin seeds, and dried mealworms, all compressed together in a base of gelatin. And then it hardens. There's a hole in the middle, so you can put a little rope and hang it, so it's a seed log. The observation I made, which surprised me, is that the nut hatches went crazy over the seed log. Now, nut hatches are so named because they hack seeds, right? Nut hatches, nut hack. And so these little nut hatches came into the seed log and were like, yes, now I can hack. And so they <laughs> came in and just pounded away. And then so they hack out each individual little seed out of this gelatin and carry it off. The blue jays came in and did the same. The white-breasted nut hatches, the downy woodpeckers, the hairy woodpeckers. So these birds that overwinter, of course, often have to find their food in old dead trees, right? They have to hack and find yep. things. And so they're just in their glory with this product. So I know that everywhere Chinridge sells their seeds, they now have these seed logs available. So okay. I would really um, highly recommend folks try them. I know I've given a few talks over the last few weeks, and I've warned everybody that these are coming and how much I really have enjoyed watching the birds feed on them at my place. So. Well, I hope we have them. I'm just check. I just checked with Lisa to see if we have those in stock. I, I'm assuming we will have, or yes, if not, they're on their way. Yeah. Um, so, looking Feeder forward Frenzy to seeing Seedlogs. those. Yes, just a great addition to a bird feeding program. Okay, cool. Um, another text we have. It says, "Hi, I have a section of roof where a couple of ravens built a large nest last year." I don't want them to return. Should I remove it or leave it, the nest? I think he's talking. Uh, well, pretty hard to do, I guess, if you chop, cut down the tree. The issue no, this ravens... isn't his roof structure. Like This is in a building. Oh, in a roof. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, um, it's in a yes, large I roof think structure. In a building, he would be justified in taking it down. It's a bit iffy in the case of ravens because they have been protected species. So the crows haven't been, but ravens have been. And okay. if you're a farmer and they're harassing your cattle, I mean, they will eat the eyeballs out of new calves and things. 
So oh, you wow. are enabled, you're, you are free to, to get rid of them. Um, but in towns and cities, I'm not sure. Although removing a nest should not be illegal. So okay, so be able to do that. Although they might right. just rebuild and then he'll have to go to plan B. But Yeah. Okay, Ken. So uh, Myrna's saying, yeah, you're justified in if they're building in your roof structure there, you can remove it if you don't want them around. So they yeah. can be a little bit nasty. So what you're saying is that they'll eat the eyes out of the calves. Wow. Oh, and yeah, the rectums. And they will, yeah, they they really are. I mean, I'm not saying they're super smart and not super amazing, but they they are. But they, they're very, very efficient predators. Yeah, they have an evil so, look to them for sure. Like they have their well, their beak is big. I hate to give human big. qualities, but yeah, yeah, they're, their beak they is are big. very efficient. Yeah, they look like they could, uh, like I said, the size of their beak. They look like they, if they decide to start chomping on you, they could. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they could definitely yeah, yeah. dig in a little bit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they are hard um, on our songbirds. There's no doubt. Okay, um, and we got Lou on the line, so we'll bring Lou up. Good morning, Lou. Good morning, you guys. Um, I have two questions about hummingbirds for you, Myrna. Um, yes. I'm, no matter what you read or hear, um, they always say that hummingbirds are uh, attracted to red flowers or plants. And I've put every red plant imaginable in my yard, tried to attract them. And for some reason, every year I see them between August 8th and 13th. And I know that because that's my sister's two birthdays. Oh. <laughs> and and um, they always go to the blue delphinium. So first yes, question, you know what? With that, yeah, they do, and they love canary bird vine, which is yellow. Ah, and okay. so red is uh, is recommended because they do really love the red. But you're absolutely right. I would say if you want to plant one hummingbird plant in your garden, that the delphiniums are just. I have seen them many, many oh. times in delphiniums. So red is not the cardinal rule, but generally they do prefer red. But uh-huh, you're right. Delphiniums yeah. are, are favored. Okay, so I thought There's I was a, imagining it. it. <laughs> no, and no. Lou, we get a few different plants. I have a, a hummingbird mix that I do in my yard, and I get, honestly, I get hummingbirds sort of from late July all the way till September. And... I, I can sit in my backyard and sometimes I'll have them for two or three hours, like four or five at a time. Um, there's yeah, one plant I, that they, they I've love. Is the that, Merle, and I bought that plant that, that, that you're speaking of. I think that little tubular one. Yeah. The vermilionaire. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've tried that even too. And you know, anyway, I do back onto Deerfoot, So maybe the noise keeps them away. Yeah, that, <laughs> also the blue salvia, they did like the salvia that we had a purple salvia. They loved that. Okay. Um, the big canna lilies, they loved all the colors, yeah, like the orange those. and the yellows. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, Sorry. yeah, I could, like, honestly, like, I I love it. Now. But I was down in, uh, sort of in Cranston, down in Riverstone. But, man, honestly, I'd sit back there. I'd film them. Like, it, they just buzz around my head. I could sit there for two or three hours almost every night. And they would come around, and it was just, it was awesome. Then they'd go, I had a little rock bubbler. Um, little fountain thing we did in our yard and they would sit on top of there, get a drink, rest for a second, then this hit the planters. I don't know, it's 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 something pretty cool. So Yeah, well maybe I just have to be home more to see them. <laughs> well and hummingbirds yeah. are random. I have found too. Some summers I have a lot in my yard here at Sylvan Lake. Some summers I don't. My neighbors got them all. Mm-hmm. So they can't be everywhere. So if they find something to their liking, you know, they will return year after year. Right. And so once you get them established, then 
Yeah, and they do like more. the flowers more than the feeders because I know my neighbor had a feeder, and he go, I get no hummingbirds because <laughs> he goes, and they're all in your yard because yeah, they just love the. They like yeah. the feeders are feeders are a good thing to also you know compliment your flowers. Okay, and it's on important. that note, sorry, Myrna. That's okay. It's just uh, it's good to know that hummingbirds are not just nectar eaters; they're also insectivorous, and they feed on those little tiny insects that are found in those flowers. So okay. I always recommend that it's healthier to have plants that will produce the nectar and attract those insects. Oh. However, it's a, you know, a feeding station, a little hummingbird feeder is a wonderful thing to also put in your yard. Right. Now, I've also heard that if you put up hummingbird feeders in the early spring, like in May, that hummingbirds come through, and if they see them, they will remember where they are. Is that true, or is that a they, Well, it's hard to say. I don't think that anybody... They may. That's, let's just say that. Birds are okay. very smart, and um, <laughs> I have had hummingbirds come and fly around where I had my feeder last year. So right. I'm like, they, they had to know that it was there. Right, yeah, yeah. And I had one in October one year, like late oh. October, it snowed and everything, and I thought it was seeing things because it was in my spruce tree where I had a hummingbird feeder sitting, and, and um, then I had left one out that I forgot to bring in, and they were right at it. It was amazing. Okay, yeah, it is important to leave those feeders up late in the season because sometimes you do get those late migrants, okay. and they can benefit from a shot of energy for sure. Yeah, we had them right, right into September. Anyways, yeah. thanks, Lou. we got to okay, take a break you. here. Thanks, thanks. guys. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm joined today with um, here with Myrna Pierman, and we're talking birds. And Stan sent in a quick picture of that uh, the the uh, slickers that were digging the holes. And yeah, he's in between the cracks. They're digging down and almost burrowing in between the cracks. So. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, different. Yeah, we got uh, Bill on the line. Let's go to Bill. Good morning, Bill. Uh, top of the morning. I um, wanted to talk about uh, Merlin falcons. Uh, last spring, for the first time ever, we had a, uh, a pair of mating Merlin falcons move into an abandoned uh, magpie nest in our front yard spruce tree. Uh, up near the top, and we thought, oh, isn't this nice? You know, they were up there making making their home, but the next thing we knew, they had got their eggs and they raised their young, uh, I think four or five of them, and those babies were terrorists. They were awful, and they were really noisy. You know, <laughs> we didn't need an alarm clock anymore. Uh, five in the morning when the sun came up, uh, they were awful because they, they were off all of the beautiful little songbirds, uh, you know, from our nuthatches and everybody. Uh, can we can we go up to the trees because they're protected? Can I go up in the tree ahead of time and have an arborist come in and rip all those nests out? Uh, yes, I believe it would be legal to do that. There's a very interesting story with the merlins, and there are so many merlins around and they overwinter, they used to migrate, because of us. And what we did in our urban areas is plant ornamental trees, mostly mountain ash, many of these subdivisions. The mountain ash brought in hordes of bohemian waxwings. They had a perfect menu then, the merlins, to eat waxwings all winter. 
And so because of this great food supply, the merlins eventually became over resident birds. So that now that we're, we are faced with this issue, they're very fierce predators. I know how noisy they are, and they will come in and clean out a bird feeding station in short order. Hey, so Marta, I, we got to take a quick break. Okay. Hmm? Sorry, we can put Bill on the on hold as well. We just got to take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Let's Talk Gardening with Merle Coombs. Talk on FM, QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and we're going to finish up that call with Bill. And uh, welcome back, you guys. Um, we, we just have to, well, since we're on two stations, we, we, are, we have to be a little stricter on our, when our break times come. So I got to, uh, sorry, I have to, not trying to cut people off, but I have to do my job, as they say. So we were chatting about some little falcons, I believe. Merlins, yeah. They're just called Merlins. Yes, yes okay. and I think taking the tree down with the nest or removing a nest before the breeding season um, starts up is an option. Very likely they will move on. But they, they can be very challenging, and some people have had to just stop feeding altogether, let the birds disperse, and then the Merlin will go hunt in another area. So they certainly do provide or pose a challenge. All right, Bill. I don't yeah, know if you're still great. there. Thank you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get somebody in there with a basket and uh, get up there and clean the trees. I uh, can't take another year of this. Thank you very much. Yeah, maybe if you're in the Calgary area, give Mark a call and he'll give you a tree assessment at the same time. Uh, excellent. Thank it you. Up. All right, take care. Um, and we got actually another caller on the line. We're going to go to Arlene. Good morning, Arlene. Hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning. I got a bird problem here um, and a cat problem, probably. I have never had cats so stupid that they will get in there and they will clean out that bird feeder. They sit in the tray until they've got all the feed gone. And, of course, the birds won't come down. Now we've lost four cats. And I'm wondering if there's a problem with bird feed and cats. I have, yes, I have. So the cats eat the bird seed? Yeah, they just sop it down. I, I can't believe they, they're so stupid. Well, there must be something that. in it. So I would recommend stop feeding whatever you're feeding and switch just to block oil sunflower seeds or sunflower chips. Stop feeding in trays. Get some hopper feeders or tube feeders and hang them where the cats can't get out them. Cats, of course, do not mix with birds and other wildlife. They're just catastrophic predators. In fact, cats kill more birds in North America than any other human cause combined. So I can't stress enough how bad cats are for birds. It's not that I hate cats, but this is the science. So if there's any possibility of having your cats contained in like an outdoor catio, that will help the birds. But for now, I would switch food and then switch feeders, like get hopper feeders where they can't access the seat at all. And then yeah. hang them high in the tree and the birds will be safer. Yeah, and oh. it's much more efficient and they keeps them from getting wet and all that too. So you'll, you'll be a lot more efficient with your feed this way as well. And if you're using a good quality food, you want to have a good efficient feeder so it's not getting well, they, flopped all over. 
All righty. Thanks, Arlene. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And I got another text here for name Myrna. Hi, Myrna. I am a new, I'm a newer bird watcher. She loves your books. My question is about backyard birds. Two years ago, I had red poles, finches, chickadees, and nuthatches constantly, sometimes 30 at a time. I have pretty much the same setup now and haven't seen a single red pole. I hear finches when I walk, but none in my feeders. I have the odd chickadee, nuthatch, and downy woodpeckers, but not a lot. What happened? No predators. Okay. Well, Birds first that of I've all, seen. I can answer the red pole story. Typically, red poles come on a two-year basis. Nobody has oh, seen okay. red poles this winter, so it's got nothing to do with what we put out. It's just got everything to do with where the red poles are. So all of these finches, the winter finches, are what we call eruptive. So they will move to where there's natural food sources, and they will. So they'll go wherever there's good birch cone crops or spruce crops. And so they're just unpredictable. They, they just move to wherever they can find food. So the red poles are on their down year, and I'm not sure why it's typically on a two-year basis, but it is. So next year we can expect to see the red poles. In terms of the other species, uh, they should be around. I mean, there's no reason why chickadees shouldn't be there. Again, get rid of, if you're serving really cheap you know, hardware store mixes, get rid of that. Offer sunflower seeds or sunflower chips. Put them in hopper feeders. These chips, every bird that will come into a backyard will eat sunflower chips. Yeah, that's so the best all-purpose feed, right, if you're looking for that? Yes, chips are absolutely the number one. So put them in a hopper feeder. So it doesn't matter if it's woodpeckers or even Baltimore Orioles in the summertime. Many, All the species will love to eat these chips. So, again... Put out the, the good food, and the, the birds should come. You can also put out suet. That will bring in the woodpeckers and the chickadees. And, again, sometimes if you have cats in the neighborhood, just like we were talking about, they can have a catastrophic impact on the, your backyard birds. So okay. do the seeds and the good mixes. Chinridge has several blends that are really good blends. For sure, don't get any blends that have green sorghum in them. Red Milo, because... It's just a filler feed that ends up on the ground and makes yeah. a mess. And it's so get tempting. the higher you quality those, mixes. Yeah, you see those great big bags, and they're pretty inexpensive, but it's yeah. all, once you break garbage. it down, yeah, to the, yeah. all the feed. Um, and and I see that because when I use the, the chips and that at my house, you're not going through it fast. Like they eat it, they eat it, they go through it, but it, it just lasts longer, and there's there's no waste. Yeah, um, that is the key. Uh, there is not a waste. Now, the, of course, sunflowers in the shell, you know, the black oil, they're great too. Yep. But like you say, there is some waste because they have to take the, the seed over and hack it open and drop the shells to the ground. Yep. So if you're getting started, and I know these chips are expensive, but if you dispense them judiciously and put them in good feeders, tube feeders or hopper feeders protected from the elements, then... Eat they all must. the house finches, all of the birds, yep. the little goldfinches, the chickadees, nuthatches, all of them will come into these sunflower chips. But Absolutely. don't worry about the red poles. There's nothing that you have done. I haven't seen one this winter either. And the finches, okay. if you're talking about house finches, they're a little unpredictable too. Sometimes I'll have six in my yard, then I won't see anything for two weeks, and then I'll have six again. So again, they have big winter territories. They move around, and they just show up whenever they feel like it, basically. 
Yeah, and actually at the store, we had a bunch of sparrows move in, and and they can be a bit invasive. Like, we have the feeders out back where a lot of the birds go to, and that's sort of where it started. And then um, over the last year and a half, we've had a whack of of just the sparrows move in and trying yeah. to nest in different places. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a chore trying to get them out, right? Because it's yeah. Uh, so we should just clarify that the sparrows you're talking about are the non-native introduced pest yeah. species, the house sparrow, and there yeah. are some ways to reduce them being problems. And so I know you put lots of seed out the back of your store. I've been there, and it's, you've got a, yeah. lots of activity going on. But for folks who don't want to feed the house sparrows, you can do two things. One is get what we call upside-down feeders, and I'm, I'm not sure if you carry them, but they are little plastic feeders where okay. the, the birds actually have to tip upside down, so the perch is above the uh. portal, and the sparrows haven't really perfected that technique. They don't like that. The okay. other thing is that you can hang wire around the outside of your feeders. They do not like to have this wire hanging down, so that's an idea. You can go online. There's lots of other ideas. Okay, I might need are... to do some of that because they hang out on top of all our tool racks outside, like yeah. we have underneath our mezzanine, and they're kind of making a mess in there. Yeah, so we yeah, work and they will constantly. just increase in number. And then in a case like that, then you do want a merlin hanging around, right? Because the merlins yeah. do like to eat house sparrows. Maybe that's how I can get one of those. Go um, to Bill. Got another question. Bill. I got another text here. And this ain't a great one, but I'm going to read it maybe anyways. Hello, can you shoot a raven if it's on your property? But I think what you said, they're protected, so I don't think you can. Yeah. You know what? The best thing is to just call Fish and Wildlife. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend shooting anything, but yeah. call Fish and Wildlife to just to, to get the most updated regulations on it. Yeah, you'd obviously have to be on an acreage. But if they're eating your calves' eyes out, I think yeah, you've got to deal with that. Certainly farmers are they are free to dispatch them if they are causing issues with their cattle. Okay, but perfect. in other cases, it's best to contact Fish and Wildlife. Absolutely. Okay, another question for you. Question from Myrna. We have had the same birdhouse hang for over 39 years. Wow. Recently this winter, we have ha found two sparrows dead hanging out in the house. They do, they do typically go into the house in the winter in last year's, I'm concerned I'm feeding them too much and maybe they are getting too plump and now stuck <laughs> in the birdhouse. Should I take them down? <laughs> well, uh, no, I've never had that question before. That is a possibility. That is a possibility because, of course, if you want to have little nuthatches and chickadees in your yard, then you put birdhouses out that have an inch or an inch and an eight in hole yeah. so that the sparrows can't go in. Um, sometimes it's easier for them to squeeze in than to climb back out. You know, we have this issue yep. with tree swallows because if you don't have little sockers on, then the swallows have weak legs and they can't get out. So that is a possibility. Um, so you can enlarge the entrance hole. It could be that they have salmonella or something, although they're pretty hardy species. Yeah. So that's okay. probably the world's oldest Just... birdhouse, though, for 39 yeah. years. It's pretty remarkable. No, that's awesome. Um, and also, here I got another one. House sparrows or finches? So, oh, I have a bunch of magpies, smaller brown birds in my front yard, evergreen. But their droppings keep driving my dog, uh, Giardia, every time she even steps on the grass. What can I do to get rid of them or the parasite? 
house sparrows or finches, I think, are the tiny ones. Probably the sparrows, I would think. Yeah, I would think those would be house sparrows. Well, the the best way to get rid of house sparrows is really to stop feeding. Stop feeding completely because they really love the grain. They like the cheap mixes. So lots of people do buy those really cheap mixes because the sparrows will eat quite a bit of the, the seeds out of those cheap mixes. So stop feeding. There are some people that put out traps to trap the sparrows. So you can go online again and find out or check my bird feeding book. I have a whole list of options to get rid of sparrows. And the others were magpies. Yes. And that's, uh, they have a bunch of magpies. So, and that's another comment someone put um, as a species that seems to be increasing in the Calgary area is the, is the magpie. Yeah, incredible. So again, these are corvids. They're cousins to the crows and the ravens. They're smart. They know that humans provide food. They can eat cat food and dog food and they can nest. And so they certainly are an issue and the numbers are very high. Except for removing the nest again in the spring, there's not much. Get a super soaker hose, you know, and or a gun, a super soaker gun, and kind of try and distract them away from your yard with that. But they're so smart. I watch the magpies in my yard, and they know when my back is turned because they're in at the bird feeder. Oh, absolutely! I remember we so had intelligent. Uh, yeah, we had a. Uh... A husky cross, um, Buka, super smart dog, but he loved being outside, living outside. So we had his food out there, and the magpies in him, that would it would keep them going for days. Like they would, like the magpie, Buka would yeah. hide in the corner, let the magpie try to come and get some food. Then he'd like they. It was just a battle Good between the two. Yes. Yeah. So. So magpies they, like, are not protected. And there are plans online for magpie traps, so you can trap them. I actually know of a neighbor who had a magpie trap and trapped, I believe he got 49 in his yard one spring. So it's kind of a never-ending battle, though, because there are so many, and it is a challenge. And they, like the crows and ravens, are nest robbers and are extremely hard on our songbirds. So... I don't have all of the answers, but I acknowledge that they are a challenge. Okay. Yeah, they, they are a little bit tough. But right now, we're, we're, let's take a quick break, Myrna. When we get back, if we get some callers, we have lots of texts that we'll keep going. And we'll talk okay. about, uh, we'll try and hit some spring migration as well, if we can get that in. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And... I'm here with Myrna Pierman, and she's the backyard and birding expert um, with Chin Ridge Seeds, Chin Ridge Seeds, which we do carry at the store at Spruce It Up. Um, again, um, love the birding. Always a popular uh, conversation when we when we have Myrna on here at uh, on, on Let's Talk Gardening, and we've got a couple more um, texts that we have coming on here. Good morning. We had this fellow dining on one of our flickers in mid-December. Some debate whether it was a Cooper Hawk or a Sharp Shinned. By estimate, it was 12 to 15 inches long. We are in Oak Tokes off the River Valley. Yeah, I can't. Oh, there it is. It's sort of a dark gray wings, dark black wings, almost with a, a silvery white breast and a black... Um, 
uh, beak, I guess, and it's sitting yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, hard. It's really hard to tell the sharp-shinned and the coopers because the male uh, coopers is about the same size as a female sharp-shinned. Oh, and okay. so you could send me the photo on, but if it black cap, it almost sounds like it could be a northern goshawk. And they're yeah, very I efficient can... predators too. They're they're lower in numbers. There's not as many of them as the merlins or the cooper or the sharpies or the coopers. I'll just text you it right now. I just sent you over a picture of it. Um and I'm sort of doing it. I can't forward it from my text machine that I have, but I uh I just take a picture of the screen and forward it over to you. Um and I did cover, and I had a question here, do we do podcasts? Um, yes, all of the Let's Talk Gardening are on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple. Um, you just, uh, when you're on there in the search, just search Let's Talk Gardening will come up. And if you subscribe, it will download those automatically for you. So you can listen into this episode or any of the other previous episodes as well. So, uh, yes, we are on all the podcasts as well um and there here's another Ooh, this is a cool one a merlin in the backyard is feeding on a house finch and not that that's cool but what an awesome picture um this guy sent oh, over i will i will get that to you uh bird feeders equals mice so any any advice on that yes so again, if you are very efficient with your feeding stations, and that means get a tube feeder or a hopper feeder, put a basket, you can get little baskets underneath so that very little falls to the ground. So there's very little wastage. It's the stuff that goes down onto the ground that the mice can come into. But if you, I have my feeders actually over my deck, and so I have the tube feeders, and I just have the uh, screen underneath, so very, very little will go onto the ground. So I know that people hate mice. Um, just we kind of knee-jerk have been taught to hate mice and voles, but just to you know, realize that they're part of the ecosystem too, and they are very important in the food chain. So they feed the little owls and hawks and lots of other creatures depend on mice. So we can't just say mice bad. 100% of the time, although I know people don't like them in their house, of course. So minimize the waste. That is the key. And if you want to get rid of the mice, you don't want to have any detritus on your ground, then just switch to suet feeders. Put out bark butter, which is peanut butter mixed with suet, get some suet logs, and just offer suet and peanut butter. Or you could get the little suet blocks, so you can get the commercial suet blocks. Again, that won't bring in the mice, and you still will have some of the birds coming to feed. Okay, awesome. And here is uh, loving the extended talk with Myrna. So much great information. Thank you for bringing her in. Oh, thank My you. pleasure. Um, we do enjoy um, our talks, and we try to do it two or three times a year um, with Myrna because birding is a big part of our garden, and uh, it's beneficial when you mentioned even the hummingbirds earlier on eating aphids or whatever kind of pests are on some of our plants um there as well and we have a distant inquiry what's and i'm not sure if we still have some copies of your book at spruce it up but what is the name of your book yes so it's called backyard bird feeding an alberta guide and i do sell it from my website as well com. 
I'm sure we took you a supply, so if you don't have any, you should be carrying some of them. So yep. it's called Backyard Bird Feeding and Alberta Guide. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so those are – and the nice thing is um, and in Calgary and in Alberta, sometimes it's tougher – to find some of the local information, especially in gardening and birding, et cetera, because so many of the books are um, broad-based for larger demographics, but right. nice thing is a lot of your stuff is is for our area, which is awesome. Yes, so. that's the, that is the, what, that's what's made this book so popular. It's sold, uh, all the money from the sale of this book uh, goes to the Ellis Bird Farm, and so they made a great deal of money, profit from the sale of this backyard bird feeding book. So I feel really good about that, and it is uh, specific for Alberta. So these are the birds that we find in our own backyard. That is, and we have a lot of birds. And as the as things change, and when you feed, you start seeing um, different different species coming in to visit your yard as well. As we've talked, and so we talked about that. Um, right after the break here and where it will be return for more of let's talk gardening right here on qr calgary welcome back to let's talk gardening i'm Earl coombs and let's talk gardening is brought to you by spruce it up calgary's year-round full service garden center spruce it up green it up prune it up we got you covered and we're gonna squeeze in one quick plant uh, caller good morning gavin hello Hi, Gavin. How Hi. can we help you? Hi, Mara. Um, I uh, sent you a picture of our orange tree. I don't know if you got it. I'm not very phone uh, smart. And yeah. I, and uh, it seems like it's leaning, like it's getting too heavy for the pot. Okay. And, yeah, it's very uh, easy to straighten them up. So if you, if you want to transplant it, just bend it, like just move the root ball in the pot and then straighten it out that way because they do – they will grow off to one side sometimes. Yeah, this one is. But what size of pot would be good, you think? I tried it with a lemon tree once, and it just totally died. Yeah. Um, they like a taller cylinder-type pot. I didn't get your text. I have to apologize there. Um, unless it's this one. Nope, I haven't got it. So. Oh, okay. Maybe I didn't do it right. Um like me and phones don't work good. So. Okay, if you if you have a picture on your phone, if you just go into the store, um, someone in the greenhouse will be able to steer you in the right direction and get you set up with a good pot. Okay, can we usually bring want the to go plant couple, there? Maybe. Um, preferably not. Just with the weather, it's today would be not bad. But yeah, if you just just take cool. a picture of it and maybe measure the pot size that it's in now, and then they'll get you set up. Yeah, it's got about 20 little oranges on it, but they're like the size yeah. of a toony, loony kind of thing. Yep, and that's the Kalamondan orange, so that's the size that they'll be. That's as big I'm as they'll get. Or... Yep. Is, are they already turning orange on you? Oh, yeah. You can yep. send you, uh, bring one up. You can just smell the... Yeah, they um, those you can actually even eat with the peel right on, they say. Some people cut them and just slice them in with the peel on right into a salad. Uh, well, I don't, yeah, well, <laughs> on a salad. Um, yeah. okay. So, all right. Uh, yeah. If about, you just get a picture and we'll get you, we can get you set up with a good clay pot for sure. Okay. I'll try to send you a picture again. Okay. Thanks, Gavin. Okay. Thanks. Take bro. care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Um, 
So Myrna will get back to some bird questions as well. We got a few more texts, but let's. You want to mention uh, the spring migration of birds? Yes, I just thought it would be interesting to alert folks that you know migration is going to happen. It's now we've got winter returning, so it's still a few weeks away. But I always advise people to keep on the lookout for the early migrating sparrows. So unlike house sparrows, these are our native sparrows. Now, juncos are often the first to come through, although they like flickers and house finches are now overwintering too in Calgary and Robins um, and all across Alberta. But the massive waves of them will come starting about mid-April. And then we also get the first of our little native sparrows called the American tree sparrow. So it's got like a rusty cap and a little spot on its breast. And I recommend during that, the spring, when the sparrows start coming through, these native sparrows, they love to feed on the ground. So if you have some bare areas, let's say under some spruce trees, then throw some mix on the ground that contains millet. So millet is a very favorite food of these migrating sparrows. So it's going to be a few weeks yet, but when you see those sparrows coming through, then that's a good time to, to pull out a millet mix and throw it on the ground. Okay. Or under your deck, someplace where it's snow-free. Okay, so that way they, they like to feed off the ground. Yes, yeah, so these these sparrows, are they will sometimes hop up on a feeder. I've had a song sparrow once feed off a hopper feeder, but they're quite secretive little birds, so they like to skulk around the shrubbery, and they're not very, they're quite elusive. So if you put the seed on the ground, then they will, you know, come through and and that will give them a good food source on their migration. Okay. okay. Um, and we've got another text here. It says, good morning. I've created a feed table. I've covered covered by two wide mesh metals, auger guards with offset overlap. Chickadees will go in and eat. Sparrows and magpies won't. Yes. So Jane is yeah. quite happy yeah. with yeah, so again, like I mentioned earlier, both the magpies, and that is a, it really will work well with magpies. So I'm just looking at a little downy woodpecker out here uh, outside my kitchen window in the snowstorm, and I've got a big metal bowl upturned, and I've just hung coat hanger wire around it. And the magpies will not come in because they don't like to hit those wires, and the sparrows don't like it either. And so anything that it kind of is an overhang or a obscure um you know challenges their flight into a spot will yeah. work so that's i would love a picture of that okay well if, if you if you could uh, maybe jane if you could send in that uh, picture of your feeder that would be great yeah love to see great it. idea all right and got another text here it says good morning merle and myrna thanks for the informative show i use the finch feast mix sunflower chips and niger seed in my tube feeder and birdhouse and species and bird love it i've seen yeah. the northern flickers dining at the raised birdhouse and this is from tina and woodbine so great yeah that's another great chinridge mix the the finch mix is designed specifically for the finches so that's wow. a good mix yeah for sure good and another beautiful picture of a of a hawk in okotoks and uh <laughs> And Tracy says, save the mice, but kill the ravens and magpies. This is killing me. Um, They've killed ravens it, and magpies? Yeah, well, no, she was just saying, we should save the mice, but kill the ravens oh, and magpies. I, yeah. She goes, if you're, if you're in the show to educate Myrna, oh, sorry. 
how to mitigate birds in your backyard. Uh, noisy clan of magpies this morning. Uh, yes, they yeah. they can be a little bit uh, noisy when they want to be absolutely correct, eh? Yeah, and it's Abs- and the noise is annoying, but the impact that they have on songbirds is what is more upsetting for me, or you know, concerning because they really are serious predators in our urban areas. Okay, and I'm getting the odd plant question in here, so I'll just ring them through as I go. Hi, are there any indoor lemon plant trees that grow here? Do you have any at your greenhouse, and what kind of light conditions? Actually, we have a great selection of citrus in right now. We do have uh, some grapefruit, some calamond and oranges, some lemons. Um, They like a fairly bright light. Um, I put them outside um, for the summer, so usually from June 1st until September, I put my lemon outside and it just loves it. You get tons of blooms, usually produce a bunch of lemons. And uh, so I do like that. But if you want to just keep it inside, they like a fairly bright light. Um, they like a fertilizer 301010 and fairly easy to grow. So absolutely, we can get you set up um, for growing some of those citrus here for sure. Um, as far as migration, I've noticed lots of geese as well right now. Um, flying in already. Yeah, well, there have been many that have overwintered for sure. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't head no. back that much as as much as they used to. Correct or what? Yes. Again, geese are probably the the most striking example of birds that ad- have adopted to stay over the winter. If there's open water, then they'll stay. There are thousands that now overwinter right across Alberta, wherever there's open water. But they yeah. soon will be coming north too. The migrants, the migrating ones, will soon be. They'll be that yeah, familiar haunt them, that announces spring. Yeah, and you see them all the way down south. Like you go down to Carolinas or wherever they're they're down there on golf courses. So anybody yeah. who's uh, a snowbird, um, don't don't worry. You'll see your Canadian geese down there as well, and all the golf courses as well. Yeah, <laughs> Tormenting yeah they've everybody become down a there. pest in many areas. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. well, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Myrna Pierman, and she is with Chinrid Seeds. She's the natural, natri- nat- naturist, <laughs> backyard birding expert. Sorry, sorry, Myrna. I'm trying no to problem. figure out what we are and who we are. Um, Morning, Merlin, Myrna. Where do the robins go in the winter? Uh, they go down as far south as they can find, uh, condi- you know, agreeable conditions. And so they will. They actually have an interesting migration pattern. It's called leapfrogging. So the ones from the southern areas of the range won't go too far south, but the farther north they go, the farther south they go. And so the birds from here probably go down right to the southern states. Very interesting oh, okay. kind of migration pattern. And, um, yeah, so they, again, they're pretty hardy. They're omnivorous, so they can pretty much find food. They're very successful in terms of breeding. And so they're pretty adaptable, not only where they choose to spend the winter but of course where they come back in the summer and i should actually add a little interesting tidbit here about robins some interesting research out of the university of alberta and they found that wherever there are fishing lakes around northern alberta the northern part of canada actually there are robins and that's because people release their worms 
and the worms will get into the soil, and the robins will come and be concentrated around those fishing lakes. They were never there before, but they have shown up to feed on the dewworms and the other worms that are escaped from fishermen. So a good they word of warning, do not let your dewworms escape when you're fishing. Not you good go. for our environment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we do have a caller. We'll bring up John. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning. How you doing oh. today, John? Well, I guess I always say if there, if I was any better, there would have to be two of me, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're doing well down there. And Myrna, Absolutely. it's to hear you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, where best to put uh, bird feeders on a okay. pole? Or where to pole to put the bird feeders? Right. I have a front and a backyard, and I have a lot of sparrows out the front, and magpies, and squirrels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John lives in an older neighborhood in Lakeview in Calgary, in that sort of area, um, and so he's close to lots of big trees, lots of natural right. areas. So, um, so I guess sure. Okay, so I guess the what's your reason for feeding the birds? Do you want to sit in your favorite chair and watch them, or are you just wanting to make sure that they have enough food? If it's the former, then the best place to place a feeder is in front of your window, but place it either somewhere between like less than three feet or more than 12 feet, so less than a meter or more than four meters, because when the birds scatter, if a predator comes in, if they're within three feet and they hit your window, they're not going to die. If they're more than 12 feet or four meters, then if they scatter, they have a chance to actually see the window pane and move away. So that's in terms of where you should place your feeders. It's always good to have a feeder beside a shrub because many of our species like to have shelter. So they're on the watch all the time for these sharpshin and cooper's hawks and the merlins. And so they want to be able to deke into shrubbery at the first sign that there's a predator in the area. So those are some of the guidelines. Have them near shelter, have them either right beside your window or farther away. Anything between three and 12 feet is the death, death zone because the birds will scatter and they, there's often window kills as a result. Oh. Does that help? Yes. So in my backyard, I have uh, planters for the garden, so uh-huh. that would not be a good place. Well, it depends on the distance from the window. There's no shrubbery yeah. or anything, though. No. Yeah, that's the thing. These little birds really do love the shrubbery. I have a Katoni aster shrub, and it's just incredible. This is especially for the little birds that they have to bend their heads over when they peck at a seed. So the little chickadees and nuthatches, if they have to peck at a seed, they can't watch for predators. A bigger bird, like the rose-breasted grosbeak or evening grosbeaks, they will just sit at your feeder and fill their faces because they're like, yeah, I can look around. But a little bird likes to have that shrubbery. So shelter is super important. Okay, and don't feed the uh, sparrows, or is that what you're kind of indicating? Well, you know, I think it's everybody's personal choice. Some people love house sparrows. They're nature, they're wild creatures, and that's fine if you want to feed them. 
um, as the biologist at Ellis Bird Farm over these years, I saw how many times the bluebirds were killed by the house sparrows and the tree swallows. They'll go in and peck the heads out of the native birds. They will outcompete our native birds. They will start nesting early in the spring and take over the nesting cavities. So they provide, you know, they're a challenge for our native species. But that's not to say they don't bring joy to people, especially in cities. So if you love watching them, that's great. If you want to reduce their numbers, then it, it's too much detail for me to go into right here. Best to get a copy of my book. And it just talks about some ways that you can reduce the, the number of sparrows in your yard so that if you have the fewer sparrows, you have more native birds. I guess that's kind of the bottom line. Okay, so that be are very aggressive. why I, I'm not seeing my bluebirds anymore, or blue jays. Blue j oh, well, the blue jays won't be intimidated by sparrows. Now, blue jays love peanuts, whole peanuts. So if you think there are no blue jays, blue jays in the neighborhood, I suggest that you go get some peanuts, whole peanuts, and set them out somewhere, and probably magically, within a short order, the blue jays will appear. And along with the squirrels. Uh, yeah, then there with the squirrels. <laughs> So the squirrels, yeah, again, I have a whole chapter on how to deal with squirrels. So if you don't want the squirrels, the best is, are these exclusion feeders. So you can get feeders that will keep the squirrels off, but they will also keep the blue jays away. So it is a bit of a toss-up. You have to share with both species if you're going to not use these exclusion feeders. Is that okay. like the squirrel buster one? Like if you use that one, the blue jays can't? Yeah, uh... no, that's true, Merle, yes. So the thing is a squirrel can jump three meters, nine feet. And they, so you have to make sure if you're going to use a squirrel buster, and basically <clears throat> that is, uh, well, there's two, they make several, the squirrel buster company makes several different kinds of, of feeders, but um, exclusion feeders. But the one that looks like a dunce cap, so it's like a plastic cone, if you put the feeder under it and you hang it somewhere, like up on a post or between, on a wire between two trees so the squirrel can't leap onto it, then that is a good answer. The blue jays can come in from below, but the squirrel can't get on it. Okay, and yes. you've also answered the magpie bit. Get rid of the nest, right? You can, yes, and, but there are many ways to keep the magpies off your feeder. So you can get... Um, I use these big bowls, metal bowls. I just get them from the dollar store. Or you can use an old bicycle rim. Put it above your feeder and hang coat hanger wires or any straight wire down around about eight inches apart. The magpies do not like to fly into anything where their wings will touch. So the, even the pileated woodpecker can come up from underneath. So if you can envision what I'm trying to describe. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, the magpie does not like to go against anything where its wings are going to touch. And so that is a good way, a cheap way, of creating an exclusion feeder to discourage the magpies. Oh, the so other we thing got is that. Just use, sorry? We got the squirrels and the magpies covered. Good. There you go, John. There you go. You're, you're, you're looked after. <laughs> Super duper. I appreciate that very uh, much. Okay. All right. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Okay, take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Myrna. We're, we're near the end here. I'm going to just, okay. I'll just, uh, we'll finish up with our bird section here and I'll come back for a couple minutes just on a couple of plank things. But thank you so much for great. all your time today. It was My great pleasure. and uh, look forward to uh, having you back. And, uh, and we'll have uh, all your information on our website and that for your book. And we do have it down at the store. Good. And uh, as well as the Chin Ridge bird seed. So thanks again, Myrna. Right. Okay. Take care. 
Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, big thanks to, uh, to Myrna uh, for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Emerald Coombs. Just enough time here to say goodbye for the most part. Um, I do have a quick text here. Merle, in the next few weeks, I'll call in and share how I manage not only pesky squirrels, but also magpies, etc., in a reasonable, ex- respectful way. Um, I look forward to, to hearing from you. Um, that will be awesome. Always love to share when we have good tips. And thanks for everybody for calling in, listening. And again, big thanks to Myrna Pierman and... Uh, and she is with Chinrid Seeds, which we carry down at the Garden Center. And we'll be here right next. We'll be here next week. Get her garden on on QR Calgary.